All right. Welcome to West Virginia Commonplace. Today, I have a special guest with me. This special guest is part of a collective uh, of shows that I've done. It's called Podcast Collides. This is where we take two different podcasts. In this case, it's West Virginia and it is Indiana uh, meeting together to do a podcast. And her name is Laura. Laura has a last name that uh, some people can't pronounce. Uh, it is Juntanen. Is that correct? Yep, Gentinen. Yep. Gentinen. All right. And she hosts an amazing show called Read It with Whiskey. So I'm going to pass it over to Laura. Please tell us about yourself and let's get into that podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I am Laura. I actually originated out of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, went down, moved to Florida for eight years, and just came back to Indiana, where my boyfriend lives um, or had lived as he grew up. And so now we're making this our home. And with that pivot last year with COVID, I knew I wanted to uh, do some new things in my life. I've been in hospitality, tourism, and fitness for the last 10 years, but I knew that writing was always gonna be something that I wanted to do. And so within the last year, I've written a book, I'm currently writing the second, and I started this podcast, Read It With Whiskey. Okay, okay. Now, let me ask you this. You have a book out. We will get into the podcast in just a moment okay. <laughs> uh, called The Transit Pul Pulse. Is that correct? Did I pronounce yep, that correctly? Yep, Transit Pulse. All right. Can you explain to us uh, what inspired you to write this book and how did you have time to do this, even though COVID was going on, how did you have time to do this, to write a book and to think about starting a podcast and to inspire other people along the way? Yes, all while, wor while working a full-time job. <laughs> yes, yes, I think I'm a little bit crazy <laughs> at, at times. Um, but no, the idea for Transient Pulse actually came from a dream I had back in November 2020. We were still in Florida. We had been thinking about moving for about five years. And then once COVID hit, we were like, we don't want to get stuck in Florida. If we're going to be quarantined, we'd rather be with family. So we moved to Indiana. But the night before we moved, I had a nightmare that my boyfriend left me behind in Florida and I was freaking out. I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, did he leave me behind? He didn't leave me behind, guys. I'm in Indiana with him. Um, but <laughs> that, that sparked the idea of Transient Pulse. So the concept behind this book is that there's an EMP that hits the nation over in California, um, an electric magnetic pulse, and it kills out all electronics that are currently on. So anything powered on, it's killed. Um, and there's a bunch of explosions. The world is going into turmoil. And our main character, Dixie, and her husband, Paul, have to decide, are we going to stay here or are we going to move up to Canada where his family is? And two days before they're supposed to leave, Paul goes missing and he doesn't come home. He's supposed to be getting supplies. He doesn't show up. And Dixie has to decide, am I going to wait for him and use up our limited supplies? Or am I going to make this travel up to Canada on my own, assuming he's dead? And so right away we find out that she decides, yep, I'm gonna go on my own because I have to protect myself. So she starts the traveling on her own up to Canada. And so that's her story is her journey traveling North. Okay, now where can we find this book? Um, this book is on Amazon. It's also online on Kobo, anywhere you can buy eBooks. Um, but I actually wrote it in November, 2020 for an NaNoWriMo. Um, it's National Novel Writing Month. You write 50,000 words in a month. And so I got it out really, really fast. And during that time was when I actually started the podcast as well. And I started um, recording episodes and reading books from my guests. So a lot of things happened within the last year, all stemming from a dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and a fear. Yep. Okay. Now, 
into your podcast, um, what inspired you to do Read It With Whiskey? So I had been hesitant to do a podcast for years. I, I had ran a life coaching business back in Florida. I dissolved the business once we moved to Indiana. But back when I was running that business, all of my friends were saying, you have to start a podcast. You have to do life coaching as a podcast. But I did not like the idea of extending that type of work into a podcast. So then I, as I was writing, I was thinking about back in 2019, I had written a book. Um, it's a self-help book. Uh, happy list choke list and I was terrible at marketing I couldn't couldn't sell it I was just doing terribly with my business in that aspect of selling the book um, and I knew that there there had to be an easier way and so I was thinking about podcasting and I was like maybe I could just do book reviews things like that and then I thought why not help other authors just like me and help them with their own marketing because that was such a big struggle for me so I thought I'll start this podcast I'll bring authors on the show I'll interview them about their book and hopefully my audience can go and buy their book or help them grow their business. So that was really the inspiration behind it was to help other self-published indie authors. Right. And, and that's one thing that um, I'm glad that you brought up uh, inside of their marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. So many people, and it doesn't matter if you're writing books or doing podcasts, they think that there's this invisible uh, rule that you automatically get the marketing portion of this. And uh, I was uh, talking with a colleague of mine that does a podcast. Um, I know you keep up with all the different things going on with these these new subscriptions for podcasts. And, you know, a lot of people started out with Patreon and different things like that to give premium content. So my question to you is, do you think like with the all the new paid uh, subscription services, such as what Apple's doing and what Spotify's doing, do you think that these things um, are something that which should be viable, something that, that you would actually use, or, or are you going to stick to like tried and true? <laughs> so I am definitely going to dive into more research in that department. At this point, I'm writing book two in this series. And so that's kind of my main focus. And I'm just trying to get episodes out um, and grow my following that way on my current platforms. I use Buzzsprout for my podcast. So it, it goes out to all the different podcasting platforms. So I'm out there wide with the podcast. Um, but when it comes to subscription services, I know that's going to be a big market and you can gain a lot from there. But I think I got to do a little bit more research before I decide which avenue I'm going to go through. <laughs> right. And, and I agree with that, too, because like, um, you know, we're content creators. So the way that I've already got my stuff set up, everything's coming in-house to me. And like one thing that I always try to explain to people, like you said about marketing you know, when you do do these subscription services, be it whatever company, we don't have to name them anymore, but they're not going to give you any marketing. They're not mm -hmm. going to promote anything for you. They're right. just going to, they're going to take a new cut that you didn't have to give somebody the last time. So I say like how everyone has everything set up like Buzzsprout, you have Buzzsprout, then you have Patreon or something to set, set aside certain content for, I call them Legion listeners. Some people call them deeper listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that works out better, that system that we have right now that's intact. And like you said, um, I'm going to do a little research into that. Now, um, let me ask you this. You're developing this podcast. What are the processes that you go through to make your podcast? And I'm going to give you an example. Like for me, for instance, um, I've gotten to a point where um, I recorded very heavily. So I actually don't really have to produce a show until September. I have that many shows stretched out when I was doing it really hardcore. So now what I do is I'm very choosy on who and what I interview and what I do now for the simple fact I'm like, I've got such a wide variety of content. So I'm like, 
Uh, I'll be like, for instance, she, I'm like, Laura, she's got this, that, and that going on. She's got a book. She's got a podcast. She's helping these people. More people need to hear this. I'm like, I'll jump on that. I'm, you know, I came to you and I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. Um, so like, that's how I developed my episodes. So how do you develop and, and how do you choose the people to be on your podcast? Yes, I am definitely hitting my stride. I'm, I found what works best for me, but it took a while. <laughs> okay. So I originally started finding authors by basically just going on Instagram. That's where I hang out is on Instagram. And I just started searching books that had been released within the last couple months or authors who were trying to grow. And I could see that they were struggling to grow. And basically I reached out, I think I reached out to about 20, 25 authors. I sent them all emails being like, Hey, I want to read your book. I want to help you grow your audience. I'd love to have you on the podcast. And I made sure to tell them, this is a brand new podcast. I don't have any episodes for you to listen to, but I want you to be involved in the startup process. And about 10 of them replied and they were like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So that was back in November. And then what I do for my podcast is I actually read the author's book. I read the book cover to cover. And then I ask them some preliminary questions, but then we go into depth about the book without giving any spoilers. And so it takes a long time for me to read the entire book and then go through their questions. So the process actually takes quite a bit of time. So back in November, I found these 10 authors. I read through their books. I started recording and I didn't actually launch an episode until February. So now I have a backlog of episodes that are going out and I am scheduled out for, I think another three weeks forward, but I have interviews set up and episodes pre-launched or like ready to go scheduled all the way through August. So if I'm, yeah, if I'm backed up, it's going to be tough because I have to have the book read before I can interview. And I think that's the hardest part. So if I can find an author with a really short book in a real crunch time, then I'm going to try and do that so that I can get an episode in if I ever fell back. But at the rate I'm going, I have all the way through August and I still have people requesting to be on the podcast. I have a form on my website. They fill out the form. I say yay or nay. And at this point, I am getting enough people requesting that I do have to turn people down, which saddens me. But like you said, you have to be strategic about who you're bringing onto the podcast and make sure that not only will my audience enjoy the content, but I have to enjoy the content. It has to be books that are relevant to what I want to be reading. Otherwise, people are going to hear that I'm kind of bored. And so I have to be invested in it, too. Right. And so much uh, when, when I do everything, I always tell my audience, like when I do my little private things with them, everything has to resonate. Mm-hmm. I say, and, and you know, like uh, and this thing that we're doing right now, this is special because we're helping other podcasters that are getting a start. So I just want to thank you for that mm-hmm. ahead of time before we go any further. Um, I tell them so much. It's so much structure. Like uh, we have mental health awareness that runs basically uh, a gamut from February until May, which it should run all the time. But between February and May, we have so many different things inside of mental health that I'd want to cover heavy topics there. Still want to throw some fun out there, you know, and just keep mm-hmm. everything uh, level. And then you meet some people. You meet a, a Stormy out here in the world, Stormy Lewis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you know, her topic fits into that, but then she has the books. And then from there, it translates to me and you meeting and that stuff like that is so fluent how it happens and um it doesn't happen like that always it's always like you said on that part of I get a lot of people that come to me and want to be on the show and I have to really look hard and I and I and I try not to say no to people because sometimes I will record an episode and audience are getting this on the slide tip um I will record an episode and I will just hold on to it like you said and I like that your structure that's one thing that uh 
you can't teach anybody is to have that catalog built up mm -hmm. because I have about 14 podcasts that I deal with that run on the idea of we'll do an episode every week, but we're recording every week. And right. with doing that, I've seen at least three of them pod fade or disappear because keeping up with that momentum is really hard. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, inside your podcast, what excites you and what disappoints you about your podcast? Because see, this is the this is one of those questions that starts getting into the hard hitting stuff. Because everyone wants to always talk about the good points, but nobody wants to talk mm -hmm. about the parts that disappoint them. <laughs> well, everything excites me. No, I'm just no, just kidding. Not everything, but I I really love the people that I have found doing this podcast because I would not have been able to find them or read their books, and that's the biggest thing that excites me is that I'm finding these authors and then I'm able to help them grow their audience. I actually have someone who's going to be on the podcast. I'm currently reading his book. And he said, yeah, I just binge listened to all of your episodes. And I actually bought two of the books that we talked, that you talked about. I was like, yes, this is the exact reason I'm doing this. So then other people can buy these authors books. So that's the part that really excites me. Something that is really tough with podcasting is that it is a lot of work for very little monetary gain. <laughs> yes. I wish that I could monetize it to a point where um, podcasting could be full-time eventually. But right now when the startups are happening, it's a lot of hustle um, and not too much coming back for money-wise financially. And I think that's the hardest part is that I'm putting so much heart and soul into it. And I mean, if I never make any money, I'll still keep doing it because I enjoy it so much. But I think that could be kind of cool if I could monetize it in a way where I could do this full-time. And that's one thing in the in the near future, if you want to talk on that level, I mean, you definitely can have a conversation outside the podcast. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's one thing that I do hear a lot of, um, because some people invest a lot of money into this. Mm -hmm. and, and I always tell everybody, there's two type of business women and men out here in the world and binary. Um, you know, it's the people that invest and the people that don't invest. I am part of the, the collective that does not invest in the very beginning. I invest later. But where I didn't invest, you know, you, you see the different avenues that you can go down with things. Um, that's one thing, the monetizing part, you know, unless someone's doing this as a hobby, that, that's probably the hardest thing for everybody to get a grip on. And it's like, once you get a grip on it, you want to give that idea to everybody. But then people around you, not necessarily me, but people that I've uh, done business with are like, hey, don't give away all your trade secrets. And I'm like, they're not trade secrets. If you got on, <laughs> if you got on Google and searched and looked at your uh, audience... That's, that's the main thing that I, I try to get out to people. Look at your audience. If you don't see the certain part of your audience that you think you should have, then you got to figure out how to go get them. And then exactly. that's, that's the hard part there. <laughs> okay. So what inspired you to get into writing? Because so many people say I got into writing because of the pandemic or mm -hmm. this or that. So what, what inspired you to get into writing? So writing has always been a part of me. Back when I was a kid, I would write little stories and write books in middle school, high school. And at some point, I don't know who it was, I don't know when it was, but somebody shot down my dream of being an author saying, you're never going to make money as an author, don't choose that as a career. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to become an English teacher, so I don't want an English major, because that's usually what English majors do is they become a teacher <laughs> or yes. a professor somewhere. And so that dream kind of got squashed. I went into hospitality instead but it kept nagging at me. So then I decided to start a blog and the blog ran for a little while, but it wasn't something that I was really passionate about because it was nonfiction. It was about life. Um, like I said, I had that life coaching business and I ran that for a while, but after a bit, 
I just kind of got burnt out by it because it wasn't aligning with who I was. And then that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to try and write fiction and everything is just falling into place. Now it feels like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be going with this journey. And it's just, I have so many stories in my head now that I have opened the creative gates and let everything flow. I'm like, okay, I have to write all these notes down because I have like five more stories that I want to tell, but I have to finish the one I'm working on now. So it's been an evolution for sure. But I think the biggest step for me was just letting myself take that time to actually write and saying, it's okay. You don't have to make money right away, but it's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, um, what was your feeling about getting your first book published? What was that feeling like? Yeah, it's, it's surreal. Um, I actually just received the hardback proof for Transient Pulse. It got published in March 28th, 2021. And it's, it's surreal to be able to physically hold the book in your hands. It's, it's the best feeling ever. And I'm now that I have had this feeling with book one, I know that I'm going to have it again with book two. And that's huge motivation to just keep on going. <laughs> All right. So with book two, not to go into any detail about it, because we, okay. we want to save that. Okay. Um, is it a sequel or is it, are you doing a trilogy or was this a one-off with the first book? Originally, it was supposed to be a one-off. It was supposed to be one book. And then the story ran away from me and the characters said, nope, we have more to say. And so book two is continuing um, right from the end of book one. Oh, so we may, this may turn into a trilogy. This might be the next series. So I have it outlined for three. Okay, rephrase. I had it outlined for three and then I started writing book two in April and I wrote 50,000 words in April, 2021. And where it ended and where I wanted it to end was not lining up. And so I think there might be potential to have more than three books because it ended like halfway through where book two was supposed to end because um, so, I added so much. <laughs> so, so everybody listening to, to the podcast lives right now understand this. Um, when stuff like this happens, these are things that eventually get optioned into movies. And uh, yeah. the crazy thing about a book, a book can, can come out in uh, 2020, 2021, and it can sit for six or seven years sell or whatever and then an adaptation into a film so you may be the next adaptation into a film as long as you promise me and the audience one thing you won't take it to lifetime <laughs> no I won't <laughs> but that is a dream I think being an author of the book that gets made into a movie or a tv show that is a huge huge thing that's bigger than any other dream that I could think of so potentially one day I would love to see that happen especially since I don't see this in the current movie and tv world so that'd be right. pretty, pretty awesome it's a different twist a different take now <laughs> yeah. um one thing that I ask everybody to do when we're doing these podcast collides is uh you have two two scopes I want to do uh first what advice would you give to an inspiring podcaster and then next what kind of advice would you give to an inspiring author because you've got to think you've got two swords. Mm-hmm. You may have more, but those two swords are the ones that you do your work with. So help the community out right now and help those two areas if you don't care. So with podcasting, I think the biggest thing is to jump in and make sure that you're really passionate about whatever you're going to talk about too. Because like I said before, that was what uh, what kept me from podcasting. I hated the idea of podcasting a couple years ago. And until I found out what I truly could talk every single day for the rest of my life about, 
until I found that one thing, I wasn't going to be able to invest into podcasting. So make sure whatever you're talking about is something that you could never get tired of. That's the biggest advice there. And then just start. Um, and then for authors, there are so many things that I could say with writing a book, but I think the biggest thing is to sit down and get pen to paper, just start writing. And even when you have days where you really want to just throw the work away, that's okay because every single author feels that like any kind of big author, JK Rowling or any big book name, they all had that moment of imposter syndrome when they thought I can't be an author. I'm not good enough. Every single author feels that. So you're not special because you feel that just keep on writing and get your work out. Okay. Now, um, there comes a segment in the show that I, I dedicate to uh, TV show 2020. It's a news magazine for my youth and from your youth also. Um, so I come in with some hard hitting questions. Uh, Diane Sawyer did a little lead off to Barbara Walters doing the next interview, which generally when Barbara Walters did her interview, she got straight to the point and it either made or break, broke the interview. Uh, John Stossel was a little bit of comedy, but we won't do any of the comedy because we already got that out in the very beginning. So here's my hard hitting question. Um, you're out here, you're, doing this podcast and there's highs and lows inside podcasts and I asked you a question earlier about how you develop episodes and everything like that what has been your worst moment personally yourself inside podcasting Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, I think the worst moment of podcasting I, I don't know. I'm, I think I've been blessed because I have done the research for all of my guests. And so I know who all of them are. Um, but I think, I mean, I think the worst thing is having to say no to people um, <clears throat> and not being able to bring them into the podcast. I think that's the worst part because then like that could maybe take them away from actually listening to the podcast. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm not good enough for her or something. It's like, no, I just don't have time. Um, so that really hurts me because I want to say yes to everybody, but I can't. Um, as far as individual interviews go, I feel like all of them have gone really well because I've genuinely liked all of the books that I've read. And so I am dreading the moment when I have to interview someone and I really didn't like their book. So I think that's an impending fear that is going to happen in the future at some point. Um, because I say yes to these authors coming onto the show before I read their book. So then it's an honest review once we get into the interview. So that's an ongoing fear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how are you going to handle this when you get to this point? Because it's going to happen soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. And I think the biggest thing I have to remind myself is that not everybody's going to like my book. So I can't anticipate liking everybody else's book. And I think that's going to be a really big growth moment for me when I have to be honest with someone about something that I didn't care for. Um, and I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think that's going to help them grow knowing an honest opinion from me. And it's going to help me grow and strengthen my own self being able to be honest to someone about that as well. Okay. So to spin on this a little bit more, and like I said, this is where the uh, journalistic integrity comes into the podcast. Um, how do you handle criticism? So I had a criticism of my own book, um, not the podcast yet. I haven't had any there, but I had somebody criticize my editing for my book and it kind of tore me down a little bit and it, it hurt because I had to self-edit my book because I just don't have the finances to hire an editor, which is it's hundreds of dollars to have someone right. edit your book. 
and I've, I've done all of the basic English classes in college and things like that. So I had a pretty good foundation for the editing process, but I had someone contact me and say, Hey, I can't give your book more than a three star because I didn't like how it was edited. And that was the first time I had had anybody say that to me. And that was really defeating. And I was actually at my day job at the time. And I brought it up to a coworker who read my book, who absolutely loved my book. And she told me something that I have to remember is that, oh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but basically it's like, if you let somebody ruin your entire life out of like 60 seconds that they spoke, is that really doing any justice? Basically, when you hear some type of criticism, are you going to let that linger in your body? Are you going to let that linger in front of your face all the time? Or are you going to just build up and let it fall off and just understand that's not going to be the opinion of everybody. And so her saying that really, really helped me because I was, I was beating myself up. It had been hours and I was still fuming. And I was like, how could this person say this? I'm so upset. And I think you just have to take it with a grain of salt and, and understand that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to like my podcast. Not everyone's going to like my books. And, and that's okay. There's going to be people out there who are your biggest fans. Yeah. And I understand like, that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in all these podcasts, I always ask about the criticism and stuff like that, um, be it the podcast or the books or whatever the person's bringing, for the simple fact, like in what you said, uh, it would be hard, but I would have had to find merit in that criticism. I would have, mm-hmm. like, if it had been me in that situation, I would have looked and seen, like, point out to me what type of gram- grammatical errors you're speaking of or whatever. Right. If you can show me the merit, I'll take it and I'll wear it on my sash of, bad, of, mm-hmm. of badges and I'll put it on there and I'll go on with life. And I like the way that you handled that and how you got that advice also because um, criticism is a very hard thing to deal with. Yes. Um, and sometimes it, it breaks the foundation underneath people because not everybody's built for tough. Some people are built like Chevys and Dodges. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, they don't have that, that fortitude, you know, to just pass through the things. So I'm glad that you were able to do that. Now, um, Let's dig a little deeper. So inside your podcast, you're interviewing um, these authors. Uh, you're reading books. So you have a, a set process. You have a template that you could actually give to people on how to do your type of podcasting. Um, so with this template that you have set, if you were to start a network of podcasts, just doing exactly what you do with different twists, would you use the same template you're using today for these other podcasters underneath you or beside you. Interesting. So like the layout on how the actual podcast runs or. With the actual template, because this is your template. You read the books mm-hmm. or you get the guests, you read the books, you do the interview, you hold on to it for a little bit, advertise it, push it out there. And that's the end of it pretty much. Right. Right. So that's a template that's you actually have a set process. Yes. Yes, and and you describe so that's your formula. It's successful for you. Mm-hmm. If you could get this podcast network and you have these other people that are doing similar things, but just with a twist, would you sell that template to them? Would you be like, hey, this is how you can do this and be uh, productive and happy with it? I, I think so. I think, well, every podcast is a little bit different. Um, and especially with this, this one being a reading podcast. But I think the only thing that I would do differently is I'm actually getting into it. I actually listened to the episode where you interviewed Step Up and you guys talked about marketing and bringing back old episodes and keep marketing as you go forward kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that inspired me to actually 
like walk into this idea I had been thinking about is not only advertising the episodes that are currently coming out, but doing flashback episodes um, or not flashback episodes, but flashback marketing. So right now that's kind of where I'm pivoting because I think I could do a lot more marketing than I'm doing right now. And I think that's the biggest thing overall, the format and like the template of getting the podcast out, it's working really, really well. And so now I just have to make sure that people are not only listening to the new episodes, but they're going back and listening to the old ones too. Okay, I get that. And I'll tell you that uh, 90% of my business is what I call the replay. Yeah. Um, the new episodes always do their numbers, but I, I heavily go back after I, I can look at my analytics. I do it, like I told you, I'm a little technical things. Like you said, that replay is the most amazing thing because I'll take episodes from season two or something and I'll bring back three of them. And the next thing, when you go look at your stats, I'll see all these people jump in here and they like these episodes and then they're listening to new ones. But they're, you know, the only thing that happens with that replay is that sometimes you have a gym back there and that gym might be better than what you're doing currently. So you have to kind of be careful with it, but it's amazing because listeners will go back and do that. And um, I think that's probably to me personally, is one of the hardest parts of marketing is that that previous episode, that one that's a month old, I want to bring it back one more time. And, you know, doing that, I, I've seen great results and I wish you the best on that part. Now, um, how hard is the transition from an author to a podcaster to a supporter of indie authors? How's that transition work? Because, see, I don't I don't have that. I'm just a podcaster and then I'm a, a promoter in a sort. So I just have two things that stay in the same line. Right. No, I think it's been it's been very helpful that I am an author because there's a lot of podcasts out there who they're just people who read books and it's basically like a book club they bring authors on and they talk about the book but a lot of these podcast hosts aren't authors themselves and so they can't understand the author component side of a book and I think that really really helps that I am an author um, while I'm talking to these authors for the podcast so it's actually a really natural transition I've actually gained a lot of knowledge from my guests because they I mean we talk about everything from um, how they might do marketing to how they might do editing for their book. And so I've gained knowledge from these people as I'm interviewing them. And so I think it's been a very natural transition. And then supporting indie authors has been the most interesting experience because before this podcast, I would go out and onto Instagram and I would like all these pictures and things like this. But now that I'm actually pursuing supporting indie authors, I have found so much more growth in my own Instagram and my own following because I'm helping so many other people. And that was really surprising to me to see that a lot of people really appreciated what I was doing. So this transition has been very fluid. It's been very natural. And I'm so grateful for that because I was worried for a minute that it was going to be tough to find guests and to find people to listen. And it's just been, it's been pretty smooth. Yeah. And that's one thing about it. Like once you get started and get that ball rolling, it, it becomes so organic. And the listeners, that's the hardest topic to talk to anybody about because everybody's numbers go up and down. Right. I've only met one person the numbers that stay steady, and that's because they do comedy. And comedy only has one way to go, and it's either up or down. Right. You know, or just up. I mean, not two ways. <laughs> it just goes up. If it doesn't go up, then it's just going to fail there. All right. So what is one thing inside of the world of podcasting that no one talks about? Um, I don't think anybody talks about we already kind of touched on it with the monetizing of podcasts. I think that is something that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, not only in the podcasting community online, but in the actual podcast episodes themselves. People don't talk about um, 
that type of thing. So I have a Patreon account and it's very slow growing because I haven't done too much with it yet. But that is something that I think more people should talk about and acknowledge that podcasting is, it's a passion project until you actually can develop those skills to monetize it. Yeah, and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I actually run a little series on uh, IGTV called Podcast Talks. And um, one interesting thing is like, not necessarily out of the gate, but after 10 episodes, I was, I was able to monetize. Mm-hmm. You know, I've structured it to where, you know, it pays for itself and it gives me a little extra. Um, so that is one thing that is not talked about. And one thing that is uh, wrong with our industry as a whole on top of that is that when people do get these monetizing techniques and things, they think that they have to bottle it up like a Coke or a Sprite <laughs> and sell it to you for $800. And like right. in my case, I'm and I'm not uh, toot my own horn, what I do with people is, you know, we look at your numbers, my consultant group, we look at your numbers, we look at who you're advertising to, why you have, for example, like if someone has 100 people listening to their show, well, we'll look at, break them up into groups of 20 and see why these people are listening. You know, it, it's so much research that has to go into monetizing that I'm glad that you have your feelings and your assertion on it right now, because mm-hmm. so many people, uh, some people come into this and they're like, oh, I'm going to get rich. No, you're oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you really, unless you are business oriented before you come in, it's going to take some time. And, and that's right. what I tell exactly. people because just because you're a, a YouTuber on, uh, over there, you're a YouTuber and you're playing video games and stuff. Yeah, you can make a lot of money with that because streaming stuff like that. I'm a video gamer, so I'm going to watch somebody and I might put some money into them. But a podcast is a, is a really hard thing. All right. So, what has been one of your highlights inside of your podcast? Like in, you have quite a few episodes, but what has been a highlight for you? If it's one episode or if it's all together, what has been your highlight? Oh, there are so many highlights. I, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that I'm, I'm still having people saying, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. That's huge for me because like I said, I really thought it was going to be tough to get people onto the podcast. So having people reach out and say, hey, I want to be on your podcast, or hey, will you read my book? It makes me really, really excited because I want to be able to help them and help them grow their audience. And then um, also something else that was just really exciting to me was that a lot of the people who are on the podcast have series. And that's actually one of my other marketing approaches now is that I'm going to be able to bring these authors back for a sequel episode on the podcast for their sequel in their series. And so that's been really exciting too, knowing that like when I record one episode, when they're talking about their first book in a year, when book two comes out, I'm going to be able to bring them back. And all of those people who listened before are going to come back and listen again because it's their new favorite author kind of thing. So I think that's one of my most biggest, largest highlights that I've had is that I know that it's going to grow because it's growing now. And it's, it's like only up from here. Right. Okay. I I like that highlight. And that gives you longevity because you know that you're going to have a structure. And like you said, we're tried and true method of how you're doing your podcast. You're going to have episodes and then you'll have a repeat episode or a sequel to that episode. So that works out good. So there comes a portion in my normal podcast that I bring over to certain episodes of podcast collide. So I'm going to hit you with this because, um, Audience, you have to understand everything we do is not so much coordinated or structured. Uh, with these episodes, it's a lot of fun because we're just talking, um, mm-hmm. and it it it's not scripted. No no podcast is ever scripted. We write down things. We have a certain, like you said, preliminary questions. So uh, from the other show, 
Um, I ask these people about if they have a hidden talent or if they have a secret that no one knows about. Um, my, my most favorite person that I've ever interviewed was a rapper from New York. And uh, he can solve an Rubik's Cube in 40 seconds or oh, cool. less, less time than that. Like he can just move it and he showed me. And uh, whenever I do the documentary, everybody will get to see it because he literally did it on camera. And I'm timing it with the iPad that sits over in the corner. And I'm like, whoa, uh, a lady out of uh, the middle of Ohio um, goes to Goodwill because Goodwill is a big thing everywhere. Um, and she gets artwork and puts rhinestones and glitter on it. Um, and I had another lady that will not remember you by face, but she will remember you by the clothing you have on. So if you have on a Hanes t-shirt, she's going to pull your t-shirt and look at the tag and see what it is. Or if you have some type of insignia or emblem on that shirt or something, just something distinctive about you, she's going to remember that and she'll never remember your name. So Laura, you are on the hot seat right now. What is your secret or hidden talent that no one knows about? Oh, you know, this should be something that everyone is taught to have for these random moments <laughs> because I have no idea. I don't have any like secret physical abilities or mental abilities. Um, I guess I could, I, I can play the flute. That's something that I can do that not many people know. <laughs> I played the flute for eight years. Um, I've also, I'm really big into the fitness industry. I work in the fitness industry full-time and I've done bodybuilding competitions. Oh, wow. So that's kind of a hidden talent, I guess, with that component. Um, but it's not something I actively do. So <laughs> I guess between that, that could be. Okay. Okay. So. That's good. And the flute, <laughs> no, with the flute, let me ask you this. Cause, uh, I was a symphonic band with playing the flute. Can you also play the piccolo? Yes. I played the piccolo my last year for the marching band in high school. Yep. Okay, because my sister, she was a drum major. Uh, that's one thing a lot of people don't know. She was a drum major, so I actively got away from the band after she, because she was our drum major for four years, so I would have had to deal with her. And marching band, you got to be real coordinated, and you've got yeah. football games, and you got competitions, so that's really tough. So um, one thing that we didn't do throughout the show is we didn't plug any type of social media or anywhere where to find you at. Oh. So <laughs> could you let the audience know where they can find you, let them know about the website, and just give them a whole roundabout idea of how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, get in touch with me, definitely. Um, I, I hang out most on Instagram, at Laura J Live, L-A-U-R-A-J-A-Y-L-I-V-E. That's my author Instagram. And then the podcast, Read It With Whiskey, is also on Instagram, at Read It With Whiskey. And then those same handles are my websites, laurajlive.com. That's my author website readitwithwhiskey.com that brings you to a link that's going to give you the access to any podcast platform that you want to listen to podcast to um, and then all of my books can be found on amazon and also signed copies are available on my website all right now something that we started doing inside some of these episodes is uh, i give everybody a little bit of a testament of who they are um so we'll i'll go ahead and go go ahead with this with you all right laura you're doing something very amazing in the world you're inspiring and you're cultivating authors you're producing a podcast so that listeners can get to these authors you are a transit line a bus system uh whatever subway for people to get information it's a very hard task to do a lot of people do it a lot of people fail at it you are beating this thing over its head you're on top of the mountain with this um and along with this, it comes, you, you've got this positive vibe about you. And it's very hard to keep that with 
the hard structure that you have and what you do. So I want to tell you, thank you on that. Because even though podcasts have been out and people are not taking this uh, with a grain of salt, but I say, take it with a grain of salt and really think hard about this one thing and think about what you're doing. Um, People are getting more into making podcasts now. Um, It was a time that this was almost like doing radio, which it is radio, but there wasn't as many opportunities as there are now. You can get on a cell phone. You can use certain apps such as Anchor, and I'm not plugging them even though that's who I'm with. Um, and you can literally make a podcast from your from your cell phone and have another person on the other line and it'd be like a telephone call. Um, things were not accessible as they are now. For what you're doing, you're given more accessibility inside of podcasting, inside of the help that you're doing for people. So you get a pat on the back for that. I'm committing you for that because that's, that's hard to do. All I do is produce a podcast. If the message gets out there, it gets out there. It's marketed and it'll get there. But you're going a step further. You're going further down the line with your training and also other things that you're uh, doing. Um, thanks for being a voice for inspiring authors because it's hard for them. Um, a lot of people do this one thing and even I'm a victim of this too. I went over to KDP. I wrote a few pages. I felt good about it. Put it out there. It did a few numbers. It didn't do anything else. And I walked away from it. And I never produced anything else. Because I was like, I will never, ever try to be an author. And I not try to be. I take that back. I didn't mean it that way. I will not attempt to author another book or anything for the simple fact that it's so hard. Nobody told me that you have to market this and that. I'm thinking that Amazon's going to do everything for me. And that's not the case. And that's a little secret that I've kept in that a lot of people just found out as of this moment. And it hurt me so bad that I was like, man, I talk good. I'm kind of like one of those reporters for 2020. I can get the question, give you the right question and get the right answer from you or any answer. So I will stick to podcasting. (laughs) And, and, uh, from that moment on, just with everything that you have going on with your podcast, and I wish everyone goes over and listens to your episodes and gets in contact with you because you genuinely are a good person just from the limited time that we've talked. Um, so I just want to tell you a big, huge thank you. That's your testament. Walk through life with it and know that it's more than just being an influencer. Um, what you're doing, your scribes and all that other stuff, that's a bit of a role model. And with that, it's a lot more responsibility that we that we don't even think about. So once again, thank you for, for doing all this. And Polly, I'm not saying you're not aware of every all of this, but sometimes when you hear it from someone else and then you start thinking about it, it's kind of like, wow, I really am doing all this. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you. That was so sweet. I appreciate everything. All right. So once again, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, one last thing we do here, because I said with this podcast, one thing I, I love about podcasting is you can either be truly professional or you can be amateurish. And I've always kept an am- amateur style to what I do. <laughs> Let's plug everywhere you're at one last time, because the audience needs to know where they can find you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Find me on Instagram, Laura J Live, read it with whiskey. Same thing for the websites. Um, and yeah, I would appreciate anybody coming in over to listen. We've got some great episodes. A new one just came out yesterday. All right. So once again, thank you for being a West Virginia Commonplace. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.